The new Netflix limited series Inventing Anna follows Anna Delvey, a.k.a. Anna Sorokin, the Instagram legendary heiress who stole the hearts and money of New York's social elite. The series is based on a New York Magazine story titled How Anna Delvey Tricked New York's Party People. This nine-episode series, which dropped in Netflix on February, takes the point of view of Vivian Kent as she conducts interviews with individuals who have been impacted by both Anna's schemes and her charms. Today, David and I are joined in the third chair by a very special guest to talk about how this show came off and some things we can learn about what goes on in real life. Fake it till you make it till you can't fake it no more. And also, spoiler alert warning, we'll be talking heavily about this series. So let's go. Successful people learn how to make their mind work for them. I'm David Nagel, and this is the Successful Mind Podcast. So before we do any of this, um, first of all, welcome everyone to full, another Full Throttle Thursday here. BT in the studio, got David here. And for those of you who are watching us on YouTube, we've also got a special guest in the third seat over here. So special guest, Steph Toss, CEO of Life Is Now. Welcome to the studio. Glad to be here. And what brought you in today? I was invited. You were invited. So Steph just needs to be invited. So for is future reference, we just need to ask Steph to come Suggestion in. doesn't work. It has Suggestion, to be invitation. Yes, exactly. So okay. what we're talking about today, and before I get too far into this, I want to give a spoiler warning because we're going to be talking about some things in here about the recently dropped Netflix series Inventing Anna. If you haven't seen it, Here's what I would suggest. Put this down for now, go and watch the nine episodes, and then come back. Because although we're probably not going to be giving away too many spoilers, there is a chance. Whenever David's involved, there's going to be a chance there might be some spoilers be coming spoilers. out. Spoilers. Because, it, okay, there's yeah. spoilers here. So I want to say that yeah. a, a up front, not to irritate any of our audience. That being said, we are going to have a nice conversation today about inventing Anna because... I know that Steph and I mainlined it over the course of last week. It recently came out on Netflix, and it's it's gathering a lot of attention, and it's bringing more and more attention to this story. So before we get into the, you know, the mindset of who Anna was, let me tell you just briefly, for those people who are continuing with us that don't know much about the story, just a brief little synopsis. So... The new Netflix limited series, Inventing Anna, follows a woman by the name of Annie, Anna, sorry, Delvey, a.k.a. Anna Sorokin, the Instagram legendary heiress who stole the hearts and money of New York's social elite. The series is based on a New York Magazine story titled How Anna Delvey Tricked New York's Party People. And as I said before, this nine-episode series dropped on Netflix in February. It takes the point of view of Vivian Kent as she conducts interviews with individuals who've been impacted by Anna's schemes and, of course, her charms. So I guess to get you into the studio, this must have been a pretty impactful series for you. So what stood out the most, Steph, while you watched the series? And then we'll throw it to David. I thought the series was fascinating. I love anything that that showcases someone who's done something outside the norm, who is showing up in a way that's very different than your average person shows up to do something really extraordinary. And I think what she did, although I, while I don't condone what she did, is incredibly extraordinary um, and fascinating from a from a psychological perspective. So I was hooked into the story. 
I did not go on deep dive like research like the two of you sometimes do with people. I just let the story take me where where it took me and I, I looked for clues in the story. I did a little bit of research, just kind of, I wanted to read the the, the article um, that was written that kicked this all off. And yeah. then I also went on, um, I went on her Instagram page to see some of the posts, some of the research. Did you follow stuff. her on her Instagram no, page? No, I, I do not follow her. No, but okay. Well, that's good. What about you, David? Well, she's a classic narcissist to the extreme. And uh, um, I think she bounced back and forth between using it for good and then not having any boundaries when she couldn't get her way. But was really fascinating. What they did a fantastic job of is not just, and I love the actress that played her too, because she's so good in Ozark, right? Like she's fantastic in, in Ozark. Um, I think what was really interesting about this, at least for me, one of the things that stood out was that the characters that played the people that were being interviewed, that she had these compulsive and scammy relationships with, they they went across the board as far as being, it was very obvious as to why they were susceptible to, to somebody who was a narcissist. Even to the point that her boyfriend in the beginning was a narcissist and they were both, they were both playing off each other. They're sure. both scamming each other for what they thought that they could, they could get, you know, and it leads you down this road where you actually find out, although they don't say this, and then there's some indication that they're, that they don't seem to know. But to me, it was very obvious why she became a narcissist. The event that happened in her life with her father, that, that where she actually became that, um, I think that the storyline runs into this idea that she was raised in a normal household and everything was fine. And in fact, she wasn't. But, you know, the thing is, is that for a lot of, a lot of people today, and even in, in psychiatric circles, they're still struggling with what causes uh, this in some people and not in others, because you can have two kids in the same household. One seems to grow up totally healthy and fine, and the other one is just a raging narcissist that uses people and, you know, does crazy things their, their whole life. But I think it's just how it's all internalized, and, they, and it becomes very obvious. But one of the things, like Steph, one of the things that you're pointing out um, is that she, there, there was no level of extreme on either end that she wasn't willing to go to to manipulate somebody to get what it was that she needed. She didn't have a barrier where, where she would stop, right? All the way from being the most charming person in the world to threatening suicide to get what it is that right. she, she knew what buttons she wanted. Push. She knew what buttons. And, yeah. and she knew that if the button she was pushing didn't work, she would switch Midstream. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. There's, Literally yeah, switch there's, midstream. There's that scene where she's talking to her boyfriend and trying to get him on the phone, and she goes through no fewer than probably seven different personalities to get him to finally yes. pick up the yes. phone, ranging anywhere from the anger to the frustration to the sadness to the I will hurt myself, all in between. It's quite right. interesting to see that. Right. Well, even in, the, in her dealings with the attorney, right, it was like she dipped her toe in the water four or five times before she hit on what would work. And each time she was gathering information about him, about him personally, before he finally said yes to, to representing yeah. her, right? Like, yeah. I mean, she just kept, she changed the hair color. She changed how she dressed. She t t started talking about his daughter, who was right around her age. You know, she really played on. Well, that was the, that was the key, right? That there. was the key. Yeah. Right? She found it. She found what he, he wanted. Yeah, guilt. Yeah, and it's then, so interesting. Yeah, and then she fed it right back to him. She found yeah. out what everybody wanted and fed them that narrative. And wham, they just went into character. And what's what's wild is that's exactly how it happens yeah. in life. Here's something else that was interesting about this show. She was actually learning as she went. 
you could actually see her progress, especially when she was working with the older socialite woman, and, uh, like around yes. the, the first third of the of the show, mm-hmm. where she couldn't hook her. She couldn't figure out how to hook her. Right. Right. And as she went through, as she went through this relationship with this woman, the the woman is very enamored with her boyfriend. Yeah. Right. And she's like, how the fuck do I hook this woman? And she finally figures it out. She figures it out, you know, that that this woman is older. She's no longer relevant. She's she's losing her ability to to basically kind of like be a socialite. And she needs to leverage that off of younger people. Right. So here's this good looking, charming young guy who's on the brink of creating the next Twitter or whatever. And then she sees Anna as like, you're just nothing. You're absolutely. And I'm going to use you for whatever it is that I want. And then she realizes if she can find something that means that she could use her in a social way, which she does with the art, then bam, she's in. And as soon as she did that, she was in. Like she, you could see that woman's face change in an instant. I think they did a beautiful job with that. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, and and not to get us off topic here, but you know, I, I thought immediately of Jurassic Park, and this is how Anna Delvey is Jurassic like Park. a dinosaur. If she was a dinosaur, she would be a Velociraptor because they test the fences to find a weakness, and once they find that weakness, they expose it, and then they eat your face off. So that's that's how oh, that's Anna Delvey great. is like Jurassic Park. It's not a nice connection, a but that's what I was thinking of. Anytime I hear somebody manipulating someone else, that's immediately what I think of because they're so smart. They test for weakness, and once they find it, they expose it and they exploit yeah. it. I think one of the conversations that Steph and I had that I thought was really, really good, and I hope she talks about it a little bit here, is your fascination with how you related to Anna. And not from the, I'm going to steal things from other people, more from the standpoint of underestimating. Would you mind talking about that? Yeah. So I think that this, this fascinated me within this series because she, she said it many times. People don't take me seriously because I'm a young female. They, they underestimate what I'm capable of constantly. Right. And I mean, I, I have to say most of my life I've been pretty much underestimated, right? Like it just, people take a look at you or you don't say the right thing or you don't say anything because I'm a listener and they don't, they think that, you know, you're just another, you Pretty don't face. know anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so I thought it was interesting that she said that, but I also thought it was interesting how she used that because I think one of the reasons why she got away with as much as she did is because people underestimated her. I agree. So she used it to sell her idea of the Anadelphi Foundation. Like, I'm going to show them. People always underestimate me. I'm going to build something New York's never seen before. Kind of like that, okay, watch me mentality. But she also used it in a way where they didn't see the con coming. No. Because they, they, I don't think they thought that she was smart enough right, or, or mature enough to, right. to think, to do something so outrageous and crazy. They didn't. It was the perfect cover. And... <laughs> She had the ability to slip into the vulnerable part of herself so easily that nobody would come down on her heart, you know? And it was, I mean, that was fascinating in and of itself because the the thing is, is that these narratives that we hold for people, people don't realize that we're constantly putting people within the structure of of our own internal story. And then we play out our story with that person. And she knew this brilliantly. And, I mean, and she would just search it like the velociraptors. Just, totally. Yeah, absolutely. She would just search and search for yeah. that spot. Yeah. What is, what is it that this person wants? And the, the, you could watch her get better at it as the movie went on. Right. They did, they did brilliant with, with this. Yeah. You could see her grow. You could see her learn. You know, if you were, if you're looking for it, 
Like, here's something that people can do. You watch it the first time. Go back and watch it again. And, and watch how she begins to shift her behavior and try and test new different things with a person to find out, oh, it's not this, it's this. And then, wham, she just becomes that for that person. Yeah, and I think it was really smart that they saved the sort of standalone Anna episode until like the last third. Because the way the story is told, they go through each individual person who she had a relationship, and they tell it from that person's perspective. Right. And they didn't give you the Anna question mark episode until much later in the series. Because all the while, I know we were sitting there thinking, what's going to happen? We're not going to look online. What's going to happen? We did not know. But it was interesting to see her formulate her thoughts in real time. There's a scene that takes place out of an elevator before she's going up to meet with the bankers and she's just listening to the conversations by the people waiting in front of the elevator bank. And they sort of do it in almost a matrix fashion where they're honing in and she's listening and isolating the sound of this woman talking to this woman over here, this gentleman talking to this woman over here. And she's processing all that information in real time so she can pull it up in an instant. She's got a brilliant, brilliant mind. Yeah. And that is factual from what I can understand from all the research I've done after listening or watching the show, because like Steph, I didn't want to do a deep dive during the show. Afterwards, she is a very brilliant person. And had she secured that, you know, $20 million loan from Fortress, there's no doubt that she would have made a go of this club in Soho. Yeah. If she did not blow it yes. right on having to be important, I think she, I actually think she would have pulled it off. Yeah. Like if, if almost she would have secured the money, not from her fake German heiress, you know, account, but from somewhere else and been able to prove that she has the funds, we wouldn't be talking about this right now because it probably would have been a huge success. It's just fascinating to me. But because she's such an anti-hero, she didn't, that's where the scheme unraveled right, right. there. She could not show that money and that right. was so tricky. I think a mistake that people can could make watching this is to be like, yeah, but no, she has to spend the money on all these clothes and everything. It was, you have to remember, every person that's a narcissist, the only thing they know how to do is manipulate. She learned that as a child. She learned how to get the best of all those peers in her school by outdressing them. So it became a tool for her, yeah. right? So it wasn't, it wasn't like a compulsion where she would have spent $20 million on clothes. She only dressed that way and behaved that way because it manipulated the right people to get exactly what she wanted. Yeah, and that was interesting to see her evolution right there when she was in, in the, the girls' school and from the beginning when they're mocking her and making fun of her till she starts to realize and start studying all the fashion magazines, start dressing the part, and then she's the one they're seeking her approval. It's really neat to see that, and that's why I like the Anna episode later on. Uh, pretty impactful to see where she came from. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What was the woman's name that, that, um, that worked at the hotel? Neff? Neff. That's yeah. what it was, Neff. There's a scene where Neff realized she's being scammed. She's standing on the other side of the, the, the desk at the hotel, and she's already been told she, she hasn't paid, she's not actually renting the building, all this stuff. And, and the look in her face is, you can see it is the same astonishment when any person I've ever met realizes that they've just engaged with a narcissist and they've been taken. It is the most utter creepy feeling a person could ever feel because it's like it's like your your entire version of reality is changing right before your eyes and you and it's like a, it's a look of amazement and absolute horror sure in her face at that moment well in that moment you're probably going back and replaying every everything. single interaction you've had with that person saying oh my god how did i not see it until just right now everything's not real but every yet, yeah 
But yet, Neff is still there till the very end and still right. to this day right there. Well, but because she paid. That's true. That's because true. Because she paid. So then, so then that gave her the excuse to go back into the safety of that narrative, right? Yeah. This is, this is the person. And we it had a conversation. It also made Neff feel important. Yeah, we had a conversation. Why did she pay Neff back? It also made Neff feel important. There was a couple of times this was said, once in the series, and then I read it in the article um, when I reread it this morning, too. And Neff had this realization that Anna, slipping her $100 bills across that table, wasn't paying for her services. She was paying for her time. She was actually paying for Neff. And that, I don't think she'd experienced that before. Like, she felt... What what um, Anna did was tap into her unworthiness and good enough yeah. and made her feel worthy and good. Bought her things, made her feel important, included her in conversations. Like, and those are the things, those are the memories that Neff talks about because they're important to her because they because the meaning that she's given that is that means that I'm I'm not this like, you know, struggling director. Yeah, director. Movie, movie maker. Right. What's what's funny is all those one hundred she was laying out on the table eventually just went right back to Anna anyways, because, you know, she, she was the one that ended up helping yeah. Anna with the, with the tip money to be able to get her a, I don't know, an apartment or get her a flight or get her to go to this place or that place or the other. But what's interesting is that there's a scene in there. And this was a triggering scene for me, uh, you know, being a rule follower, a chronic rule follower where Anna just skips the line and there's eight people in line of concierge and Neff tells her I'm, I'm engaged right now and continues talking. And Anna is laying out hundreds on the table yeah, absolutely. until Neff gets to the point like, you'll have to excuse me, scoop up the five that just came on the table. I'll have a conversation with you right now. That was triggering for me, but it's also she fucking learned brilliant. that everybody has the po- has a point. There is a there's a, there's a point where they will literally move into it if you can just find what it is. And the great thing, the, here's the thing, like that can be used for really good. I mean, there's no question if a person uses that for good, they can become an unbelievable leader um, in what they want. But when you when you do it in a way to corrupt, and I think she was on both sides. Don't you think she was on both sides of that fence? She was. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. I it, think. I'm sorry. No, sorry. No, go right ahead. No, please. Um, I think it, I think she played both sides of the fence. I honestly think that she was in love with the idea for ADF. I think that she had, and and she's even said in a, in an interview just recently, her intentions don't matter because her actions were what her actions were. But in terms of intentions, I honestly have a feeling that if that that loan would have come through, she would have built, she would have built back everything that she, like she would have built what she said she was going to going to build. And I think, you know, you and I are both, well, all three of us are a big fan of Ayana, Ayanla Van Zandt's book, Trust, right? right? Yeah. And one of the key pieces in that book is you determine who to trust and who, who deserves to be in your life based on their performance data. But nobody wants to look at performance data. People see what they want to see and they believe what they want to believe because the clues were there. The entire time the clues were there. Yeah. They would see her being taken aside. They would see that she didn't have her credit card. They would see her hand a list of credit card numbers on a piece of paper, which a normal person would sit back and be like, Well, this is kinda this is kinda jank, right? Like this isn't this isn't right. Like right. if this woman really had what she said she had, this wouldn't be happening. But they didn't want to see that nope. because they didn't want the fairy tale to end. They wanted to keep going to the fancy dinners and they wanted to keep being a part of her circle. And she also made it a little painful to not fit in with them. Like classic narcissist, right? Like she could, she could be the sweetest person and then she could turn around and say the absolute meanest thing to knock you down. Like, right. Pull you and push you away. Pull you and push you away. Classic 
narcissistic. Yeah, if you don't follow that, I'll take it away. And I'll I'll show you that I can do that back and forth just so that you stay hooked in. Correct. Yeah, it's really fascinating to see that that play out, you know, just the, the pushing and the pulling and how she treats other people. The individuals, every single one of them, whether they were fleeced or not, benefited from being around Anna. And that was one of the things that stood out for me. And that's why, you know, when towards the end, when the verdict is read and Rachel is not made whole with the Amex bill, it's crushing for her. Yet, you know, Rachel got a $300,000 book deal, a $300,000 TV option, which they're making her book, Finding Anna, or excuse me, uh, My Friend Anna, into a series on HBO that's coming out. Yep. And um, she also, Amex... Because it was such a great PR move for them, just forgave it because of all the publicity they were getting. So she benefited from that. And never once did she say, oh, let me cover this swag lunch at the, you know, at the hotel or let me cover drinks. No, it was, I'm just taking from this person. So, and she even admitted, I listened to a a conversation with uh, Rachel Duolo Williams today about how she, um, she was culpable in it as well. She was not, uh, it wasn't uh, Anna alone who did this, but the writing was on the wall, especially after what happened in Morocco. I think that's really when that the pivot and the fulcrum just, it just hit full, full circle. But um, it's just fascinating to me. I don't know. Yeah. One of the scenes that cracked me up was when they stayed on the yacht after everybody left. Right. Right. Squatting. (laughs) For a week. Yeah. And they kept the staff there. They kept the entire crew on the, on the yacht for a week after the owner left. Like the amount of balls it takes to be that brazen and that bold. But you know, like Steph said to me the other day, the the most confident person in the conversation or the most confident person in the room is going to win. We were thinking about crashing a, a, a wedding on Friday when we were sitting at dinner, there was a big, you know, wedding party going on and Steph's like we should just walk right in there they wouldn't even know we just walk in there with confidence and I'm like me Mr. you know shrink and wilting flower of sorts is like no I don't want to you can't make me you won't even park in an empty parking lot after hours if it says it's true parking only I know I'm a rule rule follower I need to stop that I need (laughs) Steph tells me I need to be more of an inconvenience to people so that's kind of where it goes were there any trigger moments for you like I talked about my trigger moment of people jumping the line was there anything in there that sort of triggered you it doesn't have to be a negative trigger maybe there was a positive trigger that was like oh okay that's I see that now I think the only I think the only trigger for me is that I've, I've had my fair share of narcissists in my life. Yeah. And so I could, I could identify specific things that she was doing that I had experienced before. And it brought up some not so great um, feelings, feelings and memories <laughs> of like, wow, I really like, I just kept coming back for more, you know? And even, at, even, you know, even at the very end, they were all concerned about Anna. Yeah. You know, like narcissists have this amazing ability to, just the the phrases hook you. Yeah. Is to hook you. And you, you forget who you are in that in that scenario and you become who who they want you to be. It's insane. That I think that whatever need that narcissist is 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 feeding us or helping us feel it's met is so addictive that we'll go into complete denial about the lack of authenticity within that person, even when you see it over and over and over and over again, your mind wants to go, but she's really a nice person. She's really a good person. It's like, no, this is an evil person. Like you're being in everything. And that's another thing that we learned along the way over the years, Steph, was that the only thing they know how to do is manipulate. There is no compassion. There is no love. It's all manipulation because of whatever that's that 
that break was that they had in their childhood. Yeah. What did Absolutely. you think, Steph? What did you? I was wanted to get your take on what did you think about the father and the mother, in that whole those scenes around around that because they they played it from different angles. So it's like, which angle is actually real? I thought it was. I thought it was a little confusing how they played the mother father angle. I I didn't go back and rewatch it, and I think I'm going to go back and rewatch it a couple of times because I know, you know, there was one scene where the reporter's daydreaming in the in the airport, and it's overplay. It's overlaid with a scene like a scene of Anna carrying money for her father. So you don't know if that's actually a real event or if that is part of the projection or bias that comes with being a reporter seeking what you want to be sought. Right. And she's also talking to the psychiatrist, but you can't really believe anything she says talking to the psychiatrist either. So I thought it was really confusing. I was craving more information about her backstory, about her parents. Um, yeah, because you don't know which you don't know which version about the parents to believe. Well, and they don't they don't verify. What or, I thought was fascinating. What I thought was fascinating is I really went through the series thinking that she'd lost her mom at an early age. Yeah, is she makes no mention whatsoever of her mom. She only speaks about her father. So I wasn't sure why that was. I don't know if that's she. She just grew up constantly seeking, you know, approval from from her father, or if. I just didn't know why that was the case, why it was her primary focus was everything was revolving around her dad and not her mom, even though it was revealed toward the end of the the series that her mom and dad are together. Like they're didn't even know she existed. Didn't right. even know she existed. Right. Yeah. Right. Was well, so my, my take on it was, and one of the things um, that I know is that the, so the, the core root of, a narcissist is that there's that there's something actually wrong with them and abandonment, right? Yeah. Their biggest fear is abandonment. And there's the whole scene with Anna and her father in that restaurant and he orders that bottle of wine and the waiter suggests that he may not have the money yeah. to pay for it. The idea that they looked down on, on Russians in, in the part of Germany that they were in and then he takes and he pours the Diet Coke in the wine. But here's the thing. I don't know that the father ever rejected Anna, but what she witnessed was his power to do it to other people. And that's enough right there. That's enough to, to, to go, holy shit, my dad has the ability to completely destroy someone else. He could do that to me. And if he was doing that in his life to any degree, that would that would be enough because she would never really believe that her father completely loves her because he has this ability to to completely destroy. And then he and then she sees that happen to him, right? On on because he's judged. I mean that the scene in the bakery, right? I mean it, oh, it, it was, was so awful. Yeah, it was it was, awful. It was, it was like, really bizarre. It was really bizarre. So anyway, so so my thought was it didn't matter about the mother because all she wanted was her dad's approval. That's yeah. it. Yep. And, and she could never get it. Yeah. But, but, it, and you, they don't tell you. Like, it's hard because, you know what I mean? With every, with every episode, it's like this story is completely true except for all the parts that are totally well, yes, bullshit, yes, right? Yes. So it's, it's like, well, what parts are totally bullshit, right? right? And, and do you really know? Because if you're getting it from Anna, you'll never know whether it's true or not. You could never be able 
to trust the information unless you could verify. Yeah, and they leave that up to you. I think that's what's genius about it. And in those sequences where her dad is pouring the Diet Coke and the $3,000 bottle of wine and all these other, you know, when she's getting her bag taken with all the money, to me, those were dream sequences. Those were not real because they are blurring the line between what is real and what is fact, which is what Anna's story is, if you think about it. This is blurring the lines between reality and fantasy. She was a fake it until you make it person. And in the end, she just didn't take the fake it far enough. I was listening to an episode of a podcast today that came out uh, a while back that was talking about how they wouldn't be surprised if Anna at the time wasn't trying to hire an actor to play the Swedish Haneke. banking associate. Mr. Haneke. So yeah, so when so when they would go through when when it got to the place where Fortress needed to verify the funds, if they had a Swiss banker, she hires an actor to because she forged all these documents on Microsoft Word. Like this is not like high end friggin' forgery here. She used friggin' Microsoft Word to do these documents. But if she would have taken it that far, I mean, what what would we be talking about now? Because she probably would have secured the loan. She probably would have been making money hand over fist, and all the people that were involved in this con from Go would have been making a shit ton of yeah, money. It'd have been a hero story. Oh, totally. Instead of a con story. Instead, it's a con story. Instead, it's a it's an anti hero. She is what what I find fascinating is is the Robin Hood philosophy here. You know, robbing from the rich and and giving to the poor. Like if this were done in big business, if this were done in big corporations, people would be up in arms. They'd be livid. But because the wealthier being fleeced, it's a totally different narrative. Right. And I wonder if you have any comments about that. And well, where that I comes do from. because, because here's something that's interesting about this. Um, I know a lot about uh, Bernie Madoff and, and that whole debacle. Mm -hmm. And there is, there's a very real possibility because here, here was the thing. He was actually running a real business um, out front of his, his um, uh, Ponzi scheme. Right. And the question was, did he get in trouble at some point in the early days and he used a little con to try to get ahead with every intention of, of, of being, being straight with it, but he got so far behind the con that he couldn't get out in front of it. And he kept having to build it and build it and he could never figure out a way to get around, to get around it. Like the movies portray him in a lot of different ways, but it's actually a question. I mean, it has, it has been seriously discussed. You know, did this, did it become something that he could not figure out to get out from behind and actually go legitimate. Because, because there was a real question about why was the front of the business actually legitimate with the, with the sons, you know? And, and yet he was doing this. But it was the same thing with him. Nobody ever checked the accounts to find out that the billions weren't, it weren't there. Nobody ever checked it. All of these amazing people, all of these high-end business people that he scammed, they never checked to see if that money was actually in the bank. What causes people to just not do that due diligence? Just like what Steph said earlier, just want to believe in the fantasy? Yes. You want to believe in the fairy tale? Yes. The upside was so great for them. They wanted to believe that that was possible. Yes. So if you go, if you look around, if you circle back around to all the people that Anna conned, every one of them had such a strong desire to be, do, or have something in one area of their life that they they became weak in another area. 
right? So they were hyper-focused on one thing, which shows that a person is psychologically out of balance to begin with. But this happens with everybody. But the thing is, is that it makes them very vulnerable in an area where they don't want to look because they've never worked on the other side of themselves. They actually think that whatever piece of success that they're going to accomplish is going to solve all their problems, right? And so they, so they, more than anything, they have to have that. You saw this with the lawyer, I think, the most. He was so... Right, Steph? Like, he was just so intense. This had to happen. And then he cancels the vacation. And, like, there was, he was ready to throw everything down the toilet in order to protect Anna so that, so that it would serve him. Yes. Well, I think that's also true with her, her um, business attorney. Was his name Alan? Alan. Alan. This is a guy who has an impeccable reputation who is uh, dotting my dotting his I's and crossing his T's. Yeah. And he signs off that she has the money when he doesn't actually know that she has the money. But then time goes by and he gets in so deep that it would look really bad for him to pull yes. out. So it's it's she uses time, and I don't know if if she consciously uses time or if she didn't know how long this would take, but the the, all the work up front, the big con up front, getting him on board, doing, you know, being who, who he needed her to be, getting him to believe what she needed him to believe about her. It would have been so painful for him four months in to admit that he actually didn't verify the funds. Right. And have all of these large, these large corporations, these large banks see him as incompetent. Yeah, the downside, could he could have lost everything so, because of that judgment. So he became just as invested as she did because could you imagine what it would look like if this was a fraud, if this was a con, if she didn't have the money, right? And I think yeah. that that's how, that's how she got away with a lot of it is people were frozen by the fear of what other people were going to think of, of them because they fell for what she had just done. Well, how about the banker that gave her the 200 grand? Yeah, he, as the, as he was like, I, we want to reestablish that relationship. Like, we're so sorry. What can we do for you? And he knew that he was that he could not do this, but he did it anyway. Right. And he gave her the two hundred thousand, and that floated her that for a period her. of time. Well, that's what gave her the money to pay Neff back. Absolutely, yes. yep. And that's how she did it. Yeah, it was nice to see old Goose in that role too. Anthony Edwards playing uh, <laughs> Alan. It was kind of cool. Little uh, 80s references there. Yeah, that was really. Uh, it was an interesting piece, and it's it's fascinating to me. So as we wind this down. Um, if you could ask, if, if Anna Delvey was in this room right now, and if you could ask her one question, what, do you, what would that question be? What would you like to know about Anna that you haven't already found out before? I think my biggest questions are just about, um, honestly, her childhood. Like, I'd love to know her childhood, her backstory, like um, events that happened that would maybe help explain a little bit more, you know, how she is the way that she is, because she, she new social norms. She used social norms when it was, when it served her and she broke social norms when it served her. So she really studied people. And normally when you see people study other people, it's because they had to serve, they had to study people to survive their childhood. Yeah, I agree. Right. Like you have to manipulate the manipulator when you're, when you're a child. So you have someone who's so in tuned to who other people are and what their needs are and what their moods are and what their thought processes are that you know something traumatic had to have happened in her childhood to create that necessity to, to always like to really be able to read people that way. Yeah. yeah. So I think and my questions were, would be about her childhood. My other question was like, does she feel bad for her? But 
That's already been asked, and I've yeah, that's been <laughs> that's been established. Yeah, this was this what's, was what's a, it, what was the answer? What, tell me about that. Um, so there was a, a Times article written um, kind of recently um, when she when she's since she's been in ICE, and the question was, or the parole board asked her, does she does she feel sorry for what she did? And the answer was, I don't condone what I did. I'm obviously not serving anybody for what I did, and I would probably do things differently if I could. She never came out and said she was sorry for what she did. She she didn't mean to hurt people, um, but it was a very weak. Like right. from what I've read, the only people she's ever apologized to. I mean, she paid Neff off, but that's not an apology. Yeah. The only people she's ever apologized to, she did apologize to her parents at some point in time. I don't know exactly where that was written, but she did apologize for her mom and dad because a lot of heat came down on them when this story was was. Well, that would be the only the, people that she yeah. would apologize to because to apologize is to admit she's wrong, and right? That's, and to her, that's worse than death. Yeah. Right. Because she, she then becomes what she thinks her father thinks of her. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she was definitely, uh, she was definitely, I mean, she invented Anna. She invented this persona yeah. and she carried it through until the very is, end. I mean, you look at, you look at successful people, you look at the stories of successful people and they've pretty much all done that. Every one of them. Yeah. Every single person. But we, but everybody does that. They just not aware that they do it. Right. Right. We're, most people are just not aware that the person that they have become was a created character based on how they behaved and the feedback that they got positive or negative from their family and their environment. And, and that's what creates them. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I mean, uh, uh, Vernon Howard's got a great quote. He says, it's virtually impossible to escape from a prison if you don't know you're in one. And that's how most people go through life. They have no idea that they're in a creation of their own making and that they can get out of it, wow. which means that they can be do or have whatever they want. Yeah. That's great. Well, if she was here today, I'd ask her if she would dress me because I think I need a little style help. Steph does, an Steph does an excellent job dressing me and helping me, you know, style. I've had stylists in the past that have done a wonderful job, but I think I need some some new shades, maybe a little scarf, something to this to show that I'm I'm a part of this culture and I'm ready to rock it out. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think that'd be that'd be great. That's yeah. good. Well, I think this has been a great conversation. Thanks for joining us third chair. Would you do this again? I totally would. It was I love it. Fun. Yeah, it's really good. And, and the whole point behind this is just kind of get an understanding a little bit about the mindset behind this, because every time I watch a show like this, I can see Steph's brain firing on all cylinders because I'm in the same room with her. I know that when you're watching it, David, your brain is going to a place. You see things in film, television, in books that most people don't see. And I think it's important for people to, to see that on these, on these conversations. I think it's really cool to yeah. see. I mean, I'm not saying people should be out there looking for the con. I mean, there's honest people out there doing honest work, but at the same time, you know, it's interesting when you see someone like Anna, like, uh, you know, how, how you're going through life. Yeah. Are you being bamboozled? Did, I, did, have you either one of you read, because I didn't do any research. I just wanted to watch it yeah. and just take it from that and, that, I, and then figure out uh, the, if I had other questions later, I would do that. What is she doing now? She's currently in custody with ICE. She, uh, when she got out of prison February of last year, she's been in ICE custody for, I believe it's been about a year now. And um, they're just waiting for, I guess they're going to... Deport her? Deport her. Yeah, back to Germany. I think she that overstayed is, her, her she visa, She overstayed right? her visa, and that's, mm -hmm. why she, that's why they're currently holding her. So when she got out of why prison... Why wouldn't they just deport her? Well, that was her question, because... She says, and this is from the, the article that I read, which I probably should reference, we'll put it in the links, right? Yeah, we'll link it. Um, the article I read, she was actually free for six weeks. And ICE was in contact with her, actually told her they weren't interested in deporting her, which, again, who knows if she's telling the truth, right? 
Um, and then they just showed up and took her into custody. So I'm not 100% sure. I don't know 100% sure what happened there. But because she speaks multiple languages, she's actually helping other immigrants get legal um, advice uh-huh. um, for their own situation until hers is resolved. Interesting. So she's yeah. working for good. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, don't, I mean, it'd be interesting to see what she does, but she's actually, I mean, she could basically do whatever she wants for real. If she yeah. really, if, if she's got the talent. Yeah. I mean, her, her Instagram post from February 14th had 3.5 million views. 3.5 million views. From One just, post. from just this past February. One post, February 14th. Wow. Yeah. It was a, it was a video of a, a the interview she did. I mean, and, and I mean, that's, she's going to like, she's an influencer. This is the thing. That's what feeds. This is the thing right there. You people will watch this series. They will know that she's a con. And they will tr- they will want to befriend her anyway. Well, you should see the, all the comments. Either they oh, sure. either they love her and think she's a you know a total queen, or they absolutely hate, hate her, her and think she well, you know deserves to go to prison. A lot of them are comparing her to the twin bl- twi- to, uh, the, to the Twitter the the Twitter, Tinder swindler. Tinder swindler. That's another Tinder one. Swindler. That's another one. Yes. People got to watch. You know yeah. what was cool was <laughs> that I she actually was hanging around with the guy from Fire Kevin Festival. McFar- yeah, McFarland from Fire Festival. That, that was a nice. That was the the time of the scam, the summer of scams. Yeah. They were calling it. There was a lot going on in there. A lot of scams. Yeah, absolutely. I love how they tie those 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 stories in. I think that was uh that was fascinating stuff. So yeah, yeah well that's uh yeah. So I guess well the, the saga continues. Yeah. And I think there's no doubt that she's going to continue to be a powerful influence. And I wouldn't be surprised if you know somebody gave her the money to start some sort of a club. Won't be in this country, but somewhere overseas. And you know, here's the thing. I mean, they probably, well, we could start a GoFundMe, but we know what would happen with that money, wouldn't we? (laughs) So uh, they would not, they would not do anything with that. So yeah, but I think that um, such a great story. And I I wasn't as into it as you were, but seeing you light up watching this and your brain clicking on all cylinders, I'm like, we got to get you in here to talk about it. We've been through a series of dark TV. Like, I mean, I, that's true. Oh, nobody, so good, so nobody dark. was harmed like, nobody in the making died. of this. Nobody died. There wasn't anybody who took one in the no, back of the head. This like, was just it was just really smart. It was just good fun. Just people yeah. fleecing yeah, people. Great writing. It was. Great it was writing. very good. And and shout out to Julia Garner, who you know who we love as an actress. She plays Ruth Langmore in Ozark, which we yeah. love. But her portrayal of Anna, yeah. fantastic. And shout out to Shonda Rhimes. And Sha- yeah, Shonda just keeps amazing, just keeps pounding right? her out. Yeah, like just amazing. Bridgerton's right around the corner. Here we go, season two. Let's go. All right. Well, thanks, guys. This was fun. Thank you. Later. Hey, everyone. Thanks for sticking around. Inventing Anna. Fascinating study in what Anna Delvey was as a person. And it's nice to get uh, a different take from not only David, who's masterful at it, but also Steph Tuss, who it was so fun to have her in this third chair. So do us a favor, leave us a comment down below. Let us know what you thought of the series Inventing Anna, and also let us know what your biggest takeaway was from that. We'd love to hear it. Be sure to ring that bell and subscribe to this channel, and we'll see you on the next Successful Mind Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Successful Mind Podcast. And if you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to davidnagel.com forward slash free stuff.